Hello, everyone. This is Lisa Freitas. And I'm Katie Saad, and welcome to another episode of 90 Day Disasters, a 90 Day Fiance Recap Podcast. We are two moms, lawyers, and reality TV junkies here to break down for you the fire in a trash can that is TLC's 90 Day Fiance. All right, everyone, grab your K-1 visas and let's get started. Oh, and because we are lawyers, we need to cover our butts. So please listen to the disclaimer at the end of the episode. Hey guys, so we are here for Love After Lockup, Season 2, Episode 1. It originally aired December 7th, 2018, so a few months ago. And this first episode is called The Version and The Trip. Yeah, I actually think their episode titles are kind of fun. They don't irritate yeah. me as much as 90 Day. Yeah, because they're not as, like, punny. Yeah. Okay. So, um, wow. These non-convicts are insane. They'd have to be, right? I mean, I guess so. They have to have some, like, serious... The, the only time I think it, like, could be legit or not, these people don't have issues is if you met somebody and you dated them and then they happened to go to jail. Um, right, which is what happened to that girl in that, Canada. Yeah, the first person. Yes. But, like, none of these people qualify. Well, I think they do, actually. The um, the woman, the the girl who's dating the... Um, God, what is her name? Sarah. Sarah, who's dating oh, yeah, Michael. Yeah, Michael. I That's mean, they true. were together, and then he went to jail. And it seemed like he went to jail for something really s- small or stupid. or I, They keep saying... That I think that he got two years for parole violation, which begs the question, of course, what his underlying yeah. offense was. But he doesn't seem like some kind of hardened criminal. No, and he's, he's very young. He seems just dumb. And she's just crazy, too, though. She's crazy in other ways. She's in love with him. She is. That's what she is. So, um, let's start. We meet first. We meet Matt and Caitlin. And Caitlin is 32. Matt is 28. And they are from Auburn, Washington. And they've been dating for five months, and they he is her fiance. And they've only dated while he's been behind bars. Yeah, she which met is, him like online. you pointed out. It's a key distinction. Like they don't have a pre-existing relationship from before he when he was free. Right. In fact, she met him online because he posted an ad on Craigslist, right. requesting a pen pal, which I think is pretty common. Super common. Because they have. I mean, if you think about it, if you're in jail. What do you got going on? Well, not just that, but they can get support. And a lot of them, I think, are actually explicitly looking for a soft place to land, especially someone like this guy who knew he was getting out in a matter of months. Like, right. he's probably trying to sort of set himself up for when he got out to have mm-hmm. a girlfriend or have support in some way, shape, or form. I'm just guessing. So we find out that Caitlin is moving out of her mom's house because her mom basically, her mom, who is a recovering drug addict... Right. told her, I don't want this guy coming home and living here in my home. And we should know in this context that Matt is a meth addict. Yeah, he's a meth and addict. And he's been, it's clearly the reason that he's in and out of jail his whole adult life, because he is yes. addicted to meth. And when people are addicted to illegal, illegal substances, not only do they get caught up for being involved with the illegal substances, they also get caught up for the things that they have to do to feed their habit. Right. And he seems like a classic case. He is. So and it makes sense that the mom doesn't want some drug addict in her house where it could trigger her. Very much so. Right. You know, Caitlin is upset because she feels like she's not being supported in her relationship. But Caitlin's a little bit selfish in that way. No, I think Caitlin is upset that she hasn't been supported by her mother in general. This is the classic yeah, case. Yeah, that's true. This is like, get a freaking dime store psychologist to look at this and they'll say, yeah, this woman has abandonment issues because her mother was an addict her whole life and she's now replaying that with a man mm-hmm. to try to heal the wound right. of her childhood. So, the interesting thing here, though, is that Matt looks like he comes from a very solid family. Absolutely. Um, his mother, his dad has passed away, but his mother has invited mm-hmm. Caitlin to move in with her because Matt will be moving in there as well later. And so Caitlin has formed sort of a good relationship with Matt's mom. And again, healing the mother wound. Healing the mother wound, true. And she feel now she's nervous. This is like the weird thing, though. She's nervous to tell Matt... That she's been talking to his mom. Because um, she's afraid he's going to feel like she kept secrets from him and he's going to get mad. Which kind of... It seems like an odd thing to be upset about. But like... It, not when you're dealing with somebody who's like an addict and has a, like clearly 
rage issues and other kind of things going. Like it just seems yeah. like a stupid thing to be that to be worried that they'd be mad about. You would think that they'd be happy. Like, oh, good, you talked to my mom. You guys, I have a place to go, and you're gonna be there. And but I agree. I was puzzled by that. I think we're probably not getting the full story there. Yeah, we're probably not. Yeah. So um, anyway, now we go and we see Scott and Lizzie, and these guys we I were can't. introduced to. I can't. You and I were talking before the episode <laughs> about being able to fast forward, and every time they yes. come on, I want to fast forward. And if I wasn't doing this podcast, which is obviously of extreme importance to the world. I would be fast forwarding through this shit because it is so depressing. This guy is such a patsy and this woman is such a manipulative criminal. It's just hard to watch. I agree a hundred percent. I mean, Scott is that he's in Kenosha, Wisconsin, which where he's gone by the way, from his home in, in California, California, where his son lives so that he can be where Lizzie is for her parole or whatever it is. Yeah. And she wants a house and, He's looking at houses. And she and wants like a three-bedroom house, was it? Three or four? She wants a four-bedroom house yeah. because she doesn't want to have sex with Scott right away. That's so she wants right. her own room. Yep. And then she wants a room for obviously Scott's son and then also for her daughter who she's reconnected with. It's interesting that like throughout this show, Scott is referred to as a trick or as a potential trick or a former trick or whatever. And the idea of the trick is heavily discussed Mm-hmm. And Lizzie explains over the course of this season that it's essentially a common thing where female, I mean, maybe male too, but female, let's call it female prisoners, um, f- sort of reel in uh, men on the outside who will support them in exchange for some level of, you know, Intimacy. sexual or intimate relations. And it's interesting because Scott is like a trick who just never actually gets anything in return. He is, and people pointed out to Lizzie over the course of the season, like, I'm sorry, what is he getting out of this? Because she's refusing anything, to give him Except any. that he thinks she's beautiful and that yeah. he believes that she loves him and he clearly has self-esteem issues. I mean, let's not oh, absolutely. mince words. He totally yeah. does. Um, they, I think he hates himself. <laughs> I mean, I think he's yeah. in this relationship because he wants to be, like, flagellated. Yeah, I mean, he is just... They've been together for three years. All um, in prison, again. All in prison. She reeled him in, and I think she had multiple other tricks going at the same time. Yeah. That she met him, and she claims he started out for her as a trick, and then over time he didn't, which sounds like the largest trick of all. Right, and she's very demanding. Like, so she, he's talking, he's looking for this house, and... She calls, and the real estate agent is, like, there, and, you know, it's like, you have a call from an inmate at whatever, and you know the guy. The, the, Awkward. The, the real estate dude is like, holy shit. It was like the salad guy <laughs> with the... All of these external, like, people that are around them when they start talking about, like, their loves or their person that they're going to marry, they're always like, oh... Great. That's interesting. You know, that reminds me. I was just referring to Angela and Tony, you know, when she was at their wedding venue and he called. But um, they disappeared over the course of this season, didn't they? Yeah, I haven't seen them at all. Because I'm now in real time, like, up to the last episode of this season, and I haven't seen them in as long as I can remember. So yeah. they must have just faded into the background. Um. So Lizzie calls while he's looking at the house, and she reminds him that she gets to pick the house. Right. Which is so ridiculous, because... I mean, theoretically, he's paying for it. No, but this is so classic. Like, she is simply testing his limits, and he has yet to has actually no give her one. He so no, even though he has no go. money, he has no I limit. Know, but she doesn't know that. Yeah. So she's just going to take and take and take and take. And she says she needs a fireplace and a pool. Um, and then she talks about the four bedrooms. And the real estate, this is where the real estate guy just, like, slowly backs out of the room. <laughs> he's just like, I don't want to be here. Um, so it's just ridiculous. I mean, her demands are just way beyond what Scott can provide, but they're just both playing along right now. Well, I think she genuinely doesn't realize what his financial situation is. I'm sure she doesn't realize, but she doesn't care either. I mean, she's just like, I'm going to just take this guy for It's his credit that's going to get busted. Um, so now we go to Michael and Megan. Ugh. Okay. This is the best, obviously, story. This is the best story, but they really drag it out all season long. They do. I mean, it is ridiculous. So Megan is Michael's fiance. They've been together for a year and a half, and they've been engaged for eight months. And only while he's been in prison. Right. She met him yeah. through her cousin. 
Mm-hmm. And or through his cousin or something. Right. She's a virgin. And she's uh, twenty eight years old. She's right? twenty eight. And she doesn't seem hyper religious. She doesn't, but she definitely seems like taken care of. Like her dad is very much a part of her life. Her family is very much. I think a part she's of her emotionally life. very immature. Yes. For her age. Um. So she plans to fly to Michigan to pick him up and take him to New York, where his daughter lives. So she's got all these plans to fly there, whatever. And her dad comes to see her, and he's totally the voice of reason in this relationship. And um. He's like, are you sure you're ready for baby mama drama? <laughs> Which is so funny. Um, and she says she is, and she's committed to doing this, and he's so worried that she's going to get her heart broken, and he just has no confidence in this relationship whatsoever, which he shouldn't. I mean, it's, no. and we all know that he's right. Um, so then we go to, like, this... Okay, so this is very hard, because we go to Tracy and Clint. And Tracy is 38, Clint's 37. I actually thought he was kind of special needs. He seems, But apparently yeah. he's come out and been like, I am at totally normal. I am not special needs. I'm not, you know, there's nothing wrong with me. I'm not... I don't know that it's a mental handicap, but he seems emotionally I mean, stunted in a very real way. He is stunting. He's an only child. His parents seem straight up wealthy, like by New Mexico standards. Well, you could tell that, like, when he goes, I think at one point he goes to go visit the mom and get Yeah, and their house is insane. But they own, like, the business. They're business owners. Because the mom's working at the deli, but, like, clearly they own it. And their house is, like, literally a mansion. I mean, they they clearly have a lot of money. And as the mom likes to say, Clinton doesn't have any money. <laughs> and I bet they've, I mean, I don't know this, but I bet you they've been supporting him and giving oh, him money sure. his whole life. And then it reached a certain point where he was, you know, past the point that maybe they thought they were helping him by continuing to do that. So I think they and let him make his own bed. What's interesting about Clinton is he's been married twice. Already. Yeah. Including to his former, his current boss. Right. Haley, who he meets for lunch. Who seems like a very nice lady. Normal. She seems very normal, which I'm like... He is so weird. Um, so she goes to meet him for lunch, and she's like, what's going on? What do you need? Um, he wants to request two days off because he wants to get married the next day. <laughs> this, which, coincidentally, is the same day that he's going to meet his girlfriend for the first time face-to-face yes. when she, she gets out of prison. Fucking nuts. And you know Haley is sitting there going, you're fucking crazy, and thank God we're not married anymore. I would be worried about him. If and I, I think her. she is. And I think she is. Because they clearly still are in each other's lives. There's no animosity. They work together. She's his boss. I mean, yeah. she clearly has some compassion for him. but she, and, then, and she expresses that she's concerned. But I think he's so stuck in his... I, I Look, he got I'm, worked. He got worked He over. totally got worked. But I'm just thinking, like, somebody who's been married twice before, like, he's clearly been able to get someone to marry him and be in this relation in in a relationship for him to have put so much of himself into this relationship with this woman just seems so weird i don't know he's such a mess though he is a total mess i don't understand and his mom isn't helping yeah i I don't think she i don't think she knows what to do with him i don't think she does and it's her only kid yeah i think it'd be very hard as a mom to like see your kid like that and not help him yeah dude it's not like he has the drug problem and then you're just like truly enabling someone to like basically kill themselves slowly this is just a kid who's a complete unadulterated screw up it seems and what do you do with that kid okay the world is too much for him what are you gonna just feed him to the dogs i mean i get it yeah i guess we disagree (laughs) tough love you're like i have a dog (laughs) bring him over (laughs) he's hungry Okay, so now we go back to Matt and Caitlin, and Caitlin arrives at Matt's mom's house, and Kathy's very normal and very kind. It's yeah. it's just a really weird, different situation, because she seems, like, totally put together. She's got this nice house. She's, But she's also very realistic with Caitlin, and... Well, I have to say, I think what struck me initially, by the way, just, ba- just in response to what you just said, mm-hmm. is I think that, in a way, this is the saddest storyline of the mm-hmm. whole series, because... 
you know, I'm a mom, you're a mom. We are both aware that drugs are out there and that addiction can happen to anybody and to anybody's kid. Like, I have plenty of friends and friends of friends and friends of my family and actual people who are close to me personally who had every benefit and every privilege in the world and either they or their adult child still ended up going down the path to addiction because it doesn't mean anybody can become addicted to drugs, especially a drug as strong as meth. Um, and mm-hmm. so I think this is just the classic case of like a perfectly normal household, a perfectly normal upbringing, and this particular kid went left. And she is just stuck with the reality of that. I agree. And there's nothing she can do. I agree. And I mean, you can see she's sees that he he's met this woman, Caitlin, um, in his third stint in prison. <laughs> and she's his first ever girlfriend. First ever girlfriend, which is just kind of a red flag because he's like 28. Yeah. And the, this is the third time he's been in jail. And this is the first time he's actually now has this girlfriend. And, you know, Kathy's wants to warn her. And she, you know, tells her like, look, this is the third time this has happened. I'm used to this. It's going to be all sunshine and roses when he arrives. But then things go downhill yeah. quickly. Yeah. I just want you to be prepared for that. So the mom's very realistic. She's not thinking, oh, he's going to be out. It's going to be all fine. And she's very kind because really she's, she's very kind. She's, she's taking the chance that she's going to drive this woman away who may be the only thing that actually is different this time around for her own son. Right. And so she's, she's putting Caitlin's interests. And Caitlin comes like no job. She's I think she had quit a perfectly legitimate job. I don't, you know, she, they say she's an executive assistant. Those jobs are not that hard to get, like, if yeah. you have experience and the education that's required. I mean, they, they're a dime a dozen. Like, you can no, go to any city. No, but what I'm saying is that she goes into this home with no job. No, I know. And yeah, this yeah, woman yeah. is basically like, I'll take you in. I'm happy to care for you because I love my son. And I bet you it wasn't all money, though, that that caused that situation. Oh, no, I no, bet no. it was also just that it's so hard to get an apartment with an ex-con. No, no, no. I 100% agree. Which she realizes later. Yeah. Um, so in her phone, she has Matt as everything. That was so awkward. It was such a cringe moment when like it came, popped up on caller ID and the mom was <laughs> sitting right there. I, I was know. like, Ugh. So he called and Caitlin tries to tell him like it's a kind of like a fun little like hey guess who I'm with I'm with your mom and Matt is like pissed yeah he's angry that she went behind his back and all this stuff and so the mom is like hey Matt I'm gonna give you guys the moment to talk I'm leaving the room she knows how (laughs) to handle him she does because he's her son she's She's seen this this movie before before. so she's just like all right you guys deal with that um and you know she even says to us in like her little testimonial thing she's like you know I don't think Caitlin knows him as well as she thinks she does. And she's right. I mean, how can you know somebody after five months of just being a pen pal? Caitlin's just in love. I mean, it's 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 like a drug. Right. Um, okay, so then we get a little flash of Michael and Megan. This is the guy, you know, whatever. She is taking an online sex class because she's a uh, virgin. Uh, <laughs> uh, I can't even with this. And I, I kept mean, thinking, I kept flashing back in my mind to the scene with her father. And I was like, is he going to watch not only this happening at all, which is like his daughter gyrating on a chair. Oh it's God. very graphic. The teacher is wearing like a thong. I and mean, she's what, ta- what the actual fuck? Like, is this like a job option? Like, oh, I'm, I'm sure this exists. That's I mean, not what surprised me. I was just like, what? Who does? Who decides they're going to be an online sex, sex educator? Educator. Well, I bet it's a. I bet it's a moonlighting situation. Oh God! I would argue. It's and she's just, explaining how Megan has a large rear end, and that she can use that in the act of sex, oh and God. how to do that. And I just, I to this day, I, every time I think about it, I think about Megan's father. You know, and I just can't believe, and this is one of the reasons I say this girl is so emotionally immature, because I don't think she has thought through the consequences of this being like immortalized, not only on film, but actually having been broadcast over the world. Of course. Her doing this. And it was so unnecessary. Like you didn't need to have this be part of your storyline. No. And it's just truly, truly horrifying. The whole thing. I mean, God. Yeah, so that was that little, it was just a little miniature kind of like set, um, scene uh, just for the purpose of showing us this ridiculous thing that yeah. she's doing. 
Um, so we go to Tracy and Clint, and this is where he goes to visit his mom at the store where apparently the, this business that they own. Mm-hmm. She's really nervous. Um, they go talk to the dad. And yeah, who completely blows it off. I mean, he does not have time for this. Yeah, and the dad's like, I've seen too many Dr. Phil's. This is going to end badly. Yeah. <laughs> um, and he's right. He Kendall is the dad, and he clearly is the, like, realistic, like, this is going to be a shit show. And Alice, the mom, is the enabler of the two of them. She's the one who will, you know, it's totally that, the the parental relationship where, like, the mom is slipping the kid money. and It's very know, Paul of Paul and Carini. And his mom. Right, because you never see the dad. Well, no, and then he, Paul came out on a podcast later or some interview and said, yeah, my dad is, like, super strict and mm-hmm. intense, and he wanted no part of the show. Like, he thought it was embarrassing, and it's the same, I mean, it's the same thing. Yeah, you can tell Kendall's embarrassed. She's like, oh, God, this is your thing. Um, so then we go to, uh, you know, your favorite, Lizzie and Scott, and um, Jasmine is 19, and she hasn't seen her mom you know, in 10 years, and she really doesn't like Scott, which is, I, I thought that this was kind of fascinating to me, because I would think, I know why, so she doesn't like Scott, because he's basically given her $90,000 while she's been in jail, and she's basically used drugs with that money, Right. and Jasmine's issue is that she believes, well, she knows that Scott knew she was using that money for drugs, and was giving her the money anyway, and so she felt like he was enabling her drug habit, and that's why she hates him and doesn't want to have anything to do with him. That's why she thinks she hates him. Yeah, but I mean... It's not really why she hates him. No, but, like, that's what her whole thing is. I don't understand why she doesn't... isn't appreciative of this guy willing to, like... No, no. I completely understand what's going on here, I believe. My belief here is Jasmine knows that her mom's downfall isn't just the drugs. The drugs are part of a larger issue for her mom, where her mom is someone who is deeply, deeply self-centered mm-hmm. and wa- is a hedonist. Essentially just wants to have whatever she wants, whenever she wants it, not have to work for it, mm-hmm. be taken care of, be given every sort of pleasure in life and have to make no sacrifices. And that, of course, is exemplified by her trick relationships. Mm-hmm. Scott being the biggest fish she's caught yet and Jasmine being stuck there in the same place she always was, which is the child of a mother who is not either willing or able to actually take care of her. Because as you and I both know, as any mother out there knows, the number one requirement of this job is that you care about your kid more than you care about yourself. Mm -hmm. And obviously Lizzie does not fit that bill. And she cares way more, not just about her drug habit, just about just generally about her own comfort Mm -hmm. than she ever did about her daughter. So she abandoned her daughter. I mean, that is the long and short of it. So that is Jasmine's problem here, Mm -hmm. is that he just represents this small aspect of the much larger issue of Mm -hmm. she never really had a mother. Because her mother cares about herself and getting what she wants and not about her daughter. And she does try to lecture her mom a lot. Like, I want you to be independent. I want you to take care of yourself. I want you to get a job. And And that all supports everything I just said. Right, and Lizzie clearly has no interest in any of that. (laughs) Lizzie's never going to care about anything other than Lizzie. So Jasmine, you know, keeps telling her... And Jasmine's still hanging on to this, like, I'm not going to let my mom be with somebody who allows her to do drugs. Yeah, and it's like, Jasmine, you've never been able to control anything your mother ever did, so... And it's not going to start now, for sure. That's a pipe dream. Um, And it's interesting, because I feel like she's saying that she wants to have a connection with her daughter. Is It feels like it's so, like, manufactured. Like, she doesn't really want to have a relationship with her daughter. I think she does, as long as that relationship doesn't require any work or sacrifice at all yeah, on which her is, part. Yeah, which is why I feel like she doesn't really want a relationship. She just wants her daughter to, like, just be in her life and uh, adore her as her mother. <laughs> she probably wants her daughter to take care of her. <laughs> well, yeah, that too. Um, so then we go back to Michael and Megan, and Megan's looking for lingerie for her first night with Michael when he... When she loses her virginity. Please, just, please stop. God. Please, guys. They've had phone sex, but she's yeah, still a virgin. I think that, I think what's going on with Megan, too, is that she, like I said, she's so emotionally immature. She doesn't, she's been taken in by, you know, not just the fairy tale, but also I think the sex side of it. Like, Megan is very sex forward mm-hmm. in the show, 
which is surprising in theory for a virgin, but I think it's actually not surprising because I think this is someone who's been suppressing her own sexual desires for a really long time. And we're talking about at least 10 years. Right. I mean, I I think an 18-year-old woman is like at least interested in sex some of the time you know and she's now 28 and she's never been able to have an outlet for any of this so i don't think she's thinking and she's put all of her eggs in one basket because she's decided this has to be the one because i don't have time or i haven't been able to find anybody else or i'm too emotionally stunted to have a relationship (laughs) that doesn't have bars in between it exactly so she's and she's totally under the delusion that they have no secrets and that he tells her oh he's been playing her like a fiddle He's a complete operator. So now we meet Sarah, his... The yeah, twi- exhibit A, and he's an operator. A. So Megan is two years older than he is, and Sarah's two years younger than right. he is. Megan's 28, Michael's 26, and Sarah's 24, right. which is very young. Very young. And she has a two-year-old with, with Michael, Michael, Aviana. Um, and she, they had Aviana before he went to prison. So right. they had like a normal... I think they were they were not married at the time, but no, they but had like been a, together they had a nuclear family. Yeah, they've been so, together forever, and they got married when he was in prison. And um, Sarah can't wait till he gets out so they can become a family. Yeah, and she's I get so that. Excited. She's had her life on hold, and she's too young to realize the likelihood is so low that it would actually work out. Yeah, I think that they. Um, I don't know. It's just so. This this is also kind of a little bit sad. I wish Sarah was a more likable person. Um, Megan's actually not unlikable, but Sarah, I find Megan unlikable. I find Sarah just really unlikable. She's just young. She's young, but she's so annoying. And her friend, her poor friend. I love the friend. I love the friend too, but the friend is like so over it. Like she's so exasperated. Well, the friend I think is being short sighted to the extent that there is a child involved. So the friend is treating this like it's sex in the city and you can just like, you know, white wash that man right out of your hair. And it's like, no, you have a kid together. You're going to be dealing with him forever regardless. There's no just like wiping it away. And so the friend, I think, I think is legitimately frustrated, but is being short-sighted. Yeah, I think, I think the friend should have been focusing on Sarah during this time apart while he was in jail. Sarah should have been focusing on building herself and... She's too busy. over Michael. She's too busy. She's working. She's a student and she's raising that kid. That is a lot. It is a lot. But she's also investing a lot of time and energy in this loser. Not a lot of time. It doesn't take a lot of time to take a once daily 18 minute phone call from your husband. No, but it's That's taking like a lot of... Okay, so it's taking a lot of bandwidth. Because it's like... Emotional she bandwidth. Emotional bandwidth. She can't I think, think he about. takes more emotional bandwidth once he's out. She even says that at some point in the season, like, that our relationship was so much better when he was in prison, and it was just this nice phone call of, like, Mm -hmm. I miss you, I love you, Mm -hmm. you know? It's like a 90-day when they're on vacation together, and it's not real life. It's law land. Hey, if anybody out there knows when the next 98, um... 90-day. 90-day fiancé installment is coming out, yeah, it's unclear. I think it, the next thing that comes out is going to be before the 90 days. But yeah. I haven't really heard anything about like when it's going to start. So we need, to, we need to get on that. Yeah. And I think, I know we haven't talked about it, but I'm thinking we may just have to do like a end of the season wrap up for before the 90 days. Because I know we were doing archive episodes. Yeah, well, we can, we can keep doing that though. We can. But I'm just thinking if there's a new season... Yeah, new season takes priority. So we'll just keep working our way through the old stuff as we have time. Yes. Or um, or like you said, we could just do a wrap up. Um, but I think that's all I have for this episode of Love After Lockup. But I think we can we just talk a little bit about like the Bravo explosion of shows right now? Yes, absolutely. It is it, we are we are when it rains it pours. I mean, all I have to say is Jersey has been on point. I mean, this 100%. season has been Fantastic. I'm loving Jackie. Yes. I'm hating Jennifer, but yeah. loving that she's on the show. Because um, I love to hate her. Um, Teresa's annoying me. Yeah, I feel like Teresa, it might be time to retire. Yeah, because I think the problem is Teresa's gotten way too big for her bridges. And I, I think she showed that in the second reunion episode where she was threatening. She was She was directly, unabashedly 
threatening Jackie for coming at her by saying, look around you. There's no one left on these couches who's ever stood up to me. Right. And I think that is completely um, detrimental to the show because no one is allowed on these shows to be completely above reproach. Otherwise, there would just be no point in having them on because the right. whole point is for them to attack each other. Mm-hmm. So if Teresa is somehow unassailable, mm-hmm. it ruins everything. And she clearly thinks that she is. She's also made these like daft decisions about who she's going to align with like oh Danielle who's barely even a cast member. Danielle is a train wreck. And it was a and complete train so, wreck. And who's in the wrong, demonstrably in the wrong in every conflict she's in. And so Teresa's so easily manipulated by Danielle. Teresa it's is so, so unintelligent. She's just dumb. I mean I don't mean it in a mean way. She's just really is not working with a full deck. On an, in an honest way, she's just dumb. Everything about her is just dumb. I actually, and I've always said this, I feel so badly for her with her whole criminal conviction because I genuinely believe that she is too stupid to have engaged in the kind of mens rea that would be required for that criminal conviction. I I believe it. It's my view. You're right. I think she is too stupid. Um, But I think it was almost necessary for her to get like a kick in the pants. Because she really was kind of too... What? Okay, can... I just need... The explanation I need is... If all of their dealings have been illegitimate, which we've kind of come to realize... I don't think all of their dealings have been illegitimate. I think he had a construction company that he was running in a reasonably normal way. I know, but like for them to still have that home... I know. I think that's a, I think that's a function of the bankruptcy. Because I believe, and I have absolutely no proof of this, obviously... Or basis for what I'm saying. Um, but I believe that they filed for bankruptcy. And I think that one of the things that happens when you file for bankruptcy is your debts get essentially wiped away. And whatever assets you have already in your possession, you know, obviously this is not true across the board. But that generally speaking, the idea is you can keep that stuff. Like you can keep your house, you can keep your cars, you know. That it's when you don't file for bankruptcy that things get repoed and foreclosed on and everything. It's like you get a clean slate. That's the point of bankruptcy. Yeah, but then why wouldn't more people do that? I don't. I mean, it ruins your credit. Yeah, but then but again, being foreclosed on like probably ruins your credit. Huge house and. I honestly don't know, and I wish that I had any expertise on this as yeah, an attorney just, or as a person in the world. I don't know either, but it always just fascinates me how she's still able to kind of live this lifestyle and my general understanding is that that in bankruptcy you don't lose you don't usually lose the assets that you have okay already it's more like your debts get so does that mean that if she had a mortgage it's canceled yeah i don't know because that is crazy like think about it like oh you just but then again well okay first of all you're not supposed to be able to get a mortgage unless you can actually demonstrably pay it off and in their case I believe they were actually convicted of mortgage fraud so you'd think right. just from like a forfeiture perspective they would lose the house because that's it was like the locus of their criminal saying. activity I don't know I don't know anyone mm. please call in that guy that greasy lawyer that they have please <laughs> call in <laughs> let us know explain to us the law give us the non-confidential details of this legal situation like how does this work because that is insane to me that she still lives in that house yeah it is really interesting um, I mean it could be a mercy of the court kind of thing where it's like she has all these kids and or it could just be you know what I think at one point it was on the market so it could just be that it didn't sell for fair market value because it's such a monstrosity. And so it was just, it is what it is. Like, they have to write it off kind of a thing. Like, in other words, the, if the bank can't sell it to someone else, it's not even worth having on their books anyway. But doesn't it go into foreclosure? Well, no, I don't think it goes into foreclosure. Well, I guess it could sit empty, but maybe maybe there's an agreement where Teresa is actually still paying it off and that she's the only person that they can find to sort of do business on this house with. Um, do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, if they, maybe. Because I think I remember it being for sale. Yeah, I don't know, but I just So then if they just insane. fail to sell it, you'd rather have someone in there who's mm-hmm. paying you at least a nominal amount, if not the full mortgage payment every month, right. than have it be sitting empty. I just think it's ins- I just think it's crazy. That could be the crazy. explanation. I just think it's so insane. And I remember when they got some really fancy car after the convictions happened mm-hmm. and people were in an uproar because mm-hmm. it and after the bankruptcy happened and people were in an uproar for mm-hmm. exactly the reason you're mentioning. Yeah, it just doesn't make any sense to me. I just feel like, how are you affording this? 
Again, guys, disclaimer, we have no We have no idea. Effing clue what we're talking no about. No clue, no clue. No I'd clue. like to know. I should do research. No, it's not worth it. Um, but it has been a very interesting season. It's been season. an amazing season. I think Jennifer is in, and I think I said this to you last time we recorded, I think Jennifer is in a classic lily pad situation with her husband. I don't think she's going to stay with that guy. Not long, long, long term. Maybe not even long, short term. See, I'm, I would be surprised because her being He doesn't on, respect her. Yeah, but Look being, at how he reacts to the stuff that she does. He's not He's not even pretending to be on her side. This isn't even a Jim Bellino situation where he's like, you know, keeping this practical prisoner of his wife in his yeah, house, but, but she, at least outwardly he's defending her to the ground. But the difference is, okay, so Alexis and Jim... Who are now divorced, by the way. Who are now divorced... But they hang their hat on this like new religion. Yeah, but these guys are Turkish, and yeah, they're saying so that it's, it's a more Turkish of a thing that you stay together. Thing. It's more for her. It's more cultural. Like she's trying to please her family. She's trying to please everybody. She's made it her big mission now to be on, be a spokesperson for arranged marriages and staying true to traditions and culture. I think and it's a perfect parallel. She's condemned Margaret and. Uh, Marge Senior for you know getting divorced yeah, and doing affairs, all of this really. stuff, but she's like, we stay together. Yeah, that's right. We absolutely stay together, no matter what. That's exactly what Alexis Molino said. Yeah, but Alexis Molino's faith was so fake. I mean, they went to those like huge, like monstrosity, like, like corporate the mega churches. Church. So does Chris so Pratt. Stupid. And he's basing his marriage with Catherine Schwarzenegger on that face, supposedly. I know, supposedly. it's so dumb. Like, I, I don't so think ridiculous. it's a reasonable... I don't, I don't agree at all with the contrast between, you know, a deeply held, at least purportedly deeply held religious faith that precludes divorce and a cultural, you know, belief, essentially, that precludes divorce. I think but they're perfectly on par with I each don't other. think so, because Alexis is by herself with her husband... It's their nuclear family but that's, that's in this. But that's why. She didn't have anyone else. She came from this, like, sketchy... I think she came from a sketchy background. I know, but when you think about it, like... It's like two sides of the same coin. I don't, words, I, I don't see the, I don't see the parallel because I feel like for Jennifer, it's so ingrained in her entire family. I mean, yeah. her brothers going through this arranged marriage, her mother, her aunts and family and everybody. Like, who is she if she's not married to the wealthy... Guy, and if she got and divorce is something that you just don't do in their culture, so she wouldn't have any support if she divorced him because they would all be like, you know, you exactly the same if someone doesn't have a family of origin for all intents and purposes. It's exactly the same situation, it's two sides of the same coin. If you don't have anyone to fall back on other than your husband, either because your family would abandon you, yeah, but she had friends and she had who Tamara. It doesn't. I don't know who her, her plastic surgeon, were, but she has friends now. I mean, she had friends to get her through the divorce. She had people that she could hang After out with. After she lily padded with the Real Housewives of Orange County, I don't know where would she have been if she left Jim Bellino and all they had was that goddamn Sky Bounce. Yeah, but she's not going to have in San Diego those friends. Jennifer's not. Yeah, and also Jim Bellino wasn't like an established. Person. I'm curious what happened with them, by the way. Just, just like all of this background. Aside. He probably failed. He, their businesses yeah. failed. They had to file for bankruptcy. Or he cheated on. Nothing her. they had was real. They didn't really have a lot of money. Yeah, but they had kids. And Jennifer's different. Jennifer yeah. has five children. I know. She that's has crazy. money. I mean, they have real money. Right. And her husband's like a legit doctor. Like he's smart. Yeah, he's a and surgeon. And he's got a career and everything. Like. He's not doing bouncy houses. I know, but maybe he would leave her. I don't think he after would. Some I don't, period of time. I mean, he's kind of like I don't know. I don't know. That's what I'm put. I'm betting the ranch on it, and by the ranch, I mean absolutely nothing. Okay. I. So is that Jersey? Dolores is pissing me off. Oh yeah, Dolores. Dolores oh. is like a thug in a cocktail dress, which is a she line needs from to some just marry housewife. Frank again and get it over with and be done. Yeah, this whole relationship that she has, but all of that aside, like that's her personal life. Yeah, Whatever, I, I don't care. My issue is just this like undaunting sort blind. of blind allegiance to Teresa, and she is hateful to Melissa, which didn't come out until the reunion. I didn't even realize that. I had no idea that she literally hated Melissa until Andy either. straight up asked her to her face, which means you know he knew the answer. But that's so weird. I question. never even... I, and it's because of Teresa. It is ter- if, if nothing else proves that Teresa absolutely 
does not love or even like Melissa and hates the fact that she's in her family, it's this. Because yeah. Dolores is like her, you know, mm-hmm. her little toady, and she's clearly feeding her all this terrible stuff. And if Teresa had truly, quote-unquote, forgiven Melissa for whatever issues they've had in the Dolores past, Dolores would have too. Would have too. Mm-hmm. Dolores probably would have done it first. I agree. With 100%. all this talk about That's family so and Italian crazy. loyalty. It's really, it's, I just it's hadn't, harsh. I didn't, I wasn't expecting it. I wasn't either. So that was beautiful. That was a beautiful scene. That was and beautiful. Andy, Andy orchestra. I just really let, yeah, New Jersey really impressed me this season. Oh, they brought it. Um, Beverly Hills is bringing it. Bringing it. So I never followed the Insta, the, the real time. I never followed Insta it. Insta stuff. Because I don't want to know. I want to see it unfold. So it's interesting because I've been listening, you know, to Watch What Crappens. Um, right. Because I love Ronnie and, and Ben. And they always talk about, well, we all know what happened, but it's nice to see how it, yeah. it like started like, from no, And I'm like, I, I don't know, know what happened. Yeah, I'm, um, I'm starting to get a like sense of all of this. But so far in the season, I am 100% team Lisa Vanderpump. I am... In the, in the Vanderpump-Dory battle. I am also 100% Lisa Vanderpump, actually. I act- you give me your reasoning. So I believe that Dory adopted this dog. She didn't really know what it was like to have a dog and quickly realized that she's not cut out to have and a dog. It's not for everyone. It's not. It's not for me. It's not for me either. We I'm not going to get a dog because I know, I, I already know that about myself. Speaking of culture, my husband's Middle Eastern and they just don't have dogs yeah. in their house. It's no, we just, just don't. Dog. We don't. My husband would love to have a dog, but I would have to take care of it, and I know I couldn't. Mm-mm. So I think Dorit got this dog. She realized it's a pup. It was a puppy. I'm sure it was nipping, nipping away. She's saying it bit my children. I yeah. it, little dogs nip, and they don't and that want... picture of PK was extra. Yeah, totally extra. And so then she said that they found a loving home within 24 hours, and gave the dog to a loving home. Then it ended up back at Vanderpump Dogs. Well, it ended up at a kill shelter. Right, because whoever she claims to have given it to... Which I don't believe. ...dropped off, dropped the dog off at a kill shelter. Right. Or at a shelter, but it was a kill shelter. And they, all of Lisa Vanderpump's dogs are um, microchipped. So they knew that that's where it originated. So they called Vanderpump and said, hey, we have one of your dogs here. And then Lisa discovered that that was the dog that Dorit had taken. Yep. So she was really upset because she didn't understand why Dorit just didn't call Lisa and say, hey, we can't take this dog after all. Um, And the answer to that is blatantly obvious, which is she didn't want to be embarrassed. Right. And so she made up this, I think she made up this huge story about finding a good home and then washing her hands of it and not knowing. Her assistant may have told her in very vague terms, her assistant, who I'm sure was taking care of the whole thing for her, could have told her in very vague terms, oh, I found a great home for it. This lovely woman came and picked up the dog. All of that could be true, essentially. All the things that Jarita is saying, the things that she's actually aware of or thinks she's aware of could be true. And it could still be true that that exact person that, quote, came to pick up the dog was simply... A person from that shelter. Right. Like, where is this woman? Show me the receipts. Right. So I think that it's just... And so Dorit's now upset that it's gotten out. And yeah, that, that and now there's, there's this whole drama yeah. with the per, the employee of Lisa John Vanderpump. John Blizzard. John Blizzard. Who Who's been, getting his 15 minutes faux show. Yes, he is. And, and he's, he's going to stretch it to 25. He totally is. And he's been texting with... He's friends with Teddy. Teddy. I'm sure that's no accident. And then that has Ted. That's how Teddy found out, and she's just aghast that Dory would do this. And and so, then it came up in Vanderpump Dogs, and there's this whole yeah, idea that Lisa Rinna has brought up. Well, because it's so funny because then Kyle knows about it, right? Because they told her at Vanderpump Dogs, John Blizzard and the other John. I guess. But see, the sketchiest part of it all is that okay. So then they tell Lisa Rinna, right? But the sketchy part about that is the whole thing that started this getting way out of hand is that at that party, wherever the party were, where they were, I forget what it was, but Lisa and Kyle and Rena were all standing together and Kyle made a comment about Dorit and the dog thing. Right. And Lisa Rinna's like, what are you guys talking about? And Lisa Vanderpump said, I'm not, I don't want to talk about it. And I think that was legitimate. And I think that, that goes to your point. Too. Which is like, we don't need to think that Lisa Vanderpump really was this mastermind that Lisa Renner's making her out to be of like creating purposefully this situation on camera with the two Johns. I think they're both their names is the names yeah. of John, you know, revealing this to Kyle and Teddy 
And, you know, I think that the real impetus right there of this whole controversy was Kyle mentioning that in front of Rinna right. and piquing Rinna's interest. Because then Rinda ran with it, and next time they were together, was like, okay, so you guys got to tell Kyle's me. Kyle's the one who keeps bringing this it's up. It's Kyle. And then now that Rinna knows, Kyle can say, okay, now Rinna's going to take over. Yeah, I think Kyle's the mastermind. My, my, do, my dirty work. And Rinna runs with it. She does. She plants the seed that, oh, this is all orchestrated by Lisa right. Rinna, and Lisa Rinna's the evil one. I mean, you just see it on Lisa Rinna's face. She just, like, sits back and oh, smiles. Oh, she's like a cat and cream. And it's, the thing I think that really is sad about all of this is that Lisa Vanderpump is in, is, is in such a moment of vulnerability and disadvantage. Oh, it's for like, sure. you cannot kick this woman while she's down and come off smelling like a rose. Even if Lisa Vanderpump did feed the flame or fan the flame with the two Johns in some way, shape, or form. Nothing she does right now can really be held to full account because she's not working with a full deck. Just the way no. she went after Erica yeah. for the note shows that she is just broken. Right, so and she even comes back from that and says, obviously you didn't do anything wrong. Yeah. I'm just in a bad she's place. She's completely broken. Yeah. You can't blame anything on this woman. And even if you could, I wouldn't buy this story. Really, the, no. the villain here is Dorit. And I would have to say, mm -hmm. I think at the end of the day, the person, if anybody is really quote-unquote orchestrating anything, it's it is Kyle. actually... No, I think it's Dorit. Because she's the one who actually has something to lose. She's the Maybe. one whose whole reputation can get fucked up over this. I guess so. But then she... And the fact that she tries to act like a victim yeah. is the part that's well, like... Well, that's probably her best bet, honestly. She has to, she has she to has, grab onto something. Well, and she has to claim complete innocence. Or there's no gray area here. Or she's going to go down. Right. So oh, you're right, she's you're playing right. it correctly, but I think she's playing it hard. Yeah, but I mean, the whole reason this even came up, though, is totally Kyle. Yeah, I Kyle don't know why Kyle blame. keeps bringing it up. I don't I don't know why Kyle would want to be poking at Lisa while she's down. And it's not a good look. No, it's not a good look. Um, but I'm glad Lisa Rin is back. Because she oh, had kind she of was a so annoying last season. When she tried to stay out of everything. Well, and I felt it was all so like, manipulative. Where she's like, oh, you guys thought that I was stirring the pot too much? With the Yolanda yeah. Munchausen thing two seasons ago. So I'm just going to sit here like a goddamn bump on a log and see how you like it. Yeah. And I don't like it. It's like, no, you have to bring it every season and she did. before you're out. She's bringing it now. She's like, all right, I'm back. It's like, what fucking devil's bargain did she make with Andy Cohen that she could just shit all over last season? I know. And come back. I mean, she must have, it must have been like a two year plan that she yeah. presented to him. You know what I mean? Before yeah. the beginning of last season. Yeah. Whatever. That's fake. I don't like that. So that's Beverly Hills. And then we have, oh, and New York's going to be starting, which is going to be. Fabulous. Epic. Yeah. I cannot wait for New York. Although, at this point, I don't think Andy Cohen's doing Luann any favors by keeping her on the show. No, she's done. She's done, and she's, a like a bro she's a broken human being. Like, she needs to be put out to pasture in the Hamptons and, like, take care of yeah, herself. She's, and she's annoying. All she's of her storylines are annoying. Um, I really, you know, I'm probably one of the last ones standing, but I just really like Bethany. I think she brings a lot to the I've show. I've always liked her. I liked her when she was on The Apprentice. I didn't see her on The Apprentice. I saw her on The Apprentice. I've liked her since season one when she was first on. She was at her best at the beginning. She was at her best because she was. Because she was plucky. Well, she's kind of like back. Yeah, now she's just like sad. But I, I just really like her. I like her energy. I like. How she just kind of like gets in your face and gets into trouble and gets annoyed. I feel like she is, you know how everybody kind of has that devil and angel on their, on their mm -hmm. shoulder? She's totally the devil on my shoulder. Like so many times she says stuff that I'm like, yeah, I don't have the balls to say that. Um, or I don't want to like, like you, that's the part that you have to like kind of hold in and like calm. So you admire her, but like in a bad way. Well, yeah, like, I would never go the, as far as she does and as mean as she is, but it's, like, my inside voice sometimes. You're not in the kind of pain that she's in. No. That's the difference. I feel like sometimes Bethany she's is my inside out. voice. She's like a wounded animal. She is. Lashing out. I mean, she is the perfect paradigmatic example of someone who is broken from, you know, from childhood, was abandoned and is broken, and then through sort of hard work but also a lot of luck, really really makes it and has every sort of possible material benefit but is still absolutely miserable and will never be happy yeah. unless and until she takes care of the actual emotional crap mm -hmm. that she's got going on and what I always what I always ask myself is what what the hell is up with her psychiatrist 
I know. Like, how has she been in therapy for all these years? And they still and have she broken makes it. no progress. She gets worse. Yeah. But I just love her. Dr. Ambe. No, no. Ambe was the plastic surgeon. Anymore. Yeah. What is that guy's I don't know, but he's always making a cameo. Yeah. Um, no, I like I like having Bethany on the show. I obviously yeah, I do. I uh, feel very very sorry for her. I mean, she's one too where I'm a little bit on the fence of like, is it even right for her to be on this show? Well, like, I'm glad Carol. I have to say, I'm glad Carol's not on the show. I'm glad Carol left. She needed to go. Get she overstayed out. her welcome. She totally overstayed her welcome. She's she became awful at the end. She left. She really did. She left on a bad note. She I left on like. a terrible note because she of the way she treated Tinsley. Note. She's just a bad person. I like Tinsley. Tinsley offers that like oh she's great. You know, little bit of levity, and yeah. she still has some good drama going. And her mm-hmm. mother's hilarious. Oh my god, God, I love the mom. And then who else? Dorinda's a mess. Dorinda. Dorinda's a mess. She's Again, been a like mess. should she be on the show? I mean, for her own health, I don't Ramona. know. Ramona. Ramona great. Ramona is the OG. Ramona yeah. is like the Vicky. I would Sonya. say I would say Ramona and Vicky <laughs> yeah. are in a class of their own within the Housewives. They I are agree. total OGs. You know, they're completely jacked up, but they're but they're able to hold themselves together. Mm-hmm. Neither one of them is going to rehab. You know, neither one of them is you know having a really high profile meltdown of any of any sort. And they have really. good, they have they raised good children. They have good family lives. They don't they've obviously had very bad luck with men and bad situations happen with men and, and yeah. but, but they haven't let it But even Ramona has been I mean Vicky for sure, but like Ramona had a really long marriage. Marriage. Which makes it even sadder really. It does. But then you and then you have Sonia. Sonia Sonia Sonia's like a phoenix. She's just, you know, I told you, I watched the old seasons and I'm watching the one now where she was dealing with that very large judgment against her. Oh yeah. 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 And, um, she's drinking a ton and she's slurring and she's topless all the time and she's doing this, that, Mm -hmm. and the other. And what's funny is I can remember her having another episode like that several seasons later. So it's like, she has this Mm -hmm. amazing pendulum where she can go from being like, Oh, I'm going to go on a cleansing you know, trip to Arizona and have my chakras aligned and then back to, you know, trying to feel someone up because she's so hammered and she just keeps, she keeps trucking. But she's sober now, right? I don't think so. Oh, I thought she was sober. I don't think so. She was sober for like one or two seasons where I actually think Andy did intervene and said, I am going to take you off the show if you don't stop drinking. Yeah. Um, Um, But she's definitely calmer than she used to be. I think so. Well, one thing to keep in mind, and I didn't realize this until I did go back and watch the old seasons, when she came on initially, she had just gotten divorced. Divorced, right. So that's a huge one. And I keep trying to remember someone else also had just gotten divorced. And she's still very much, um, when she, she got a divorce, but was still very much attached to that family. She was like still in love with her ex-husband. I mean, yeah. I think he totally just left her. And I think she's still uh, still holding on to, to being a Morgan. Of, of course. Because you know? so, otherwise, who is she? Right. She's not a Morgan. So that, part of it was like her identity. She's going through this identity crisis. She's still going through it. Yeah. I just think it's been decades long at this point and she's finally maybe... I think she'll work it out in the end. I think I she's think a strong so, yeah. enough person. She's a good person. She's not a bad person. Oh, yeah. Person. She's a sweet person. I agree. Um, well, we're looking forward to that. We've been talking about it for like 20 minutes and it hasn't even started yet. I know. And then um, the two that have started that you have not watched yet are Summer House, which I think is going to be a great shit show. I'll watch it. I watched season one and then I stopped watching halfway through season two because I thought it was boring. Yeah. And I'll pick it back up this I've season. Been, I have been enjoying it. It's... They're, you know, different players. The workuses are out, so that'll be different. It's probably a good thing. There's a crossover with Vanderpump at some point. There, well, that's how the whole thing I saw, started. I know, but I saw the, I saw Schwartz and Katie there, so. No, that makes sense. There's oh, that. we didn't talk about Vanderpump. We didn't talk about Vanderpump. Vanderpump, God, Lala. I just yeah. want to shake her and slap her across the face. That's a tough one. That one makes me sad. That, she just makes me sad because it's, everything is so blatant. Well, and she tries to cover it with these, like, veneers of empowerment and, no. uh, you know, sexual and female. And it's like, no. She, it, it's all it's all skin deep, you know. Yeah. And it's tough. It's tough For to watch sure. her dealing with the loss of her father and, you know, so blatantly replacing him with this 
um, you know, this man who's using her. Yeah. Who she's using too. Who she's using too. So she thinks that makes it okay. It's really, it's hurting her. It's not hurting him. Yeah. It's just, the whole thing is sad. I really love Stassi and Bo. A hundred percent. But I don't think it'll work in the end. Really? Yeah. I think maybe they'll get married, but then they'll get divorced. Like, I, I think she's way too messed up to have a, a lifelong successful relationship. She'd have to work all that out before, you know, she'd have to work all that out. Whether she works it out in conjunction with him, which is possible, mm-hmm. or not, I think, remains to be seen. But I think she's so messed up. And the, the reason I think that is because of the way her mother acts. Mm-hmm. Even now, her mother is so emotionally damaged mm-hmm. and she's clearly put all of that right onto her daughter projected it all right mm-hmm. onto Stasi, and then god knows what her dad's bringing to the picture on top of everything else we've seen Stasi trying so hard to like claw her way out of her own emotional issues and i absolutely don't think she's out of it enough to be with her life partner. I think if she'd had like a good five years mm-hmm. of, you know, it's self-development. It's possible. I'm and then rooting for them. Oh, I'm rooting for them a thousand percent. I am rooting for them I love I love him. I think they're going to break each other's hearts if, if actually it does go south. Which again, I really hope that it doesn't. I just believe that it will in the end. Yeah, I just... I'm I think it's really, going to take a really long time to... I really like him. Yeah, I'm sure it probably will. Um... I and mean, then I hate I hate Tom and Katie. I, I don't. I, they're oh, I find them boring. They're boring and depressing, and which is depressing. a really bad combination. Yeah. I you know in fact they're no. I really like Stassi and Bo, and then I really don't like anybody else. I mean I don't. Tom and Ariana are are, are grating on me because <sighs> of how mismatched they really are. I know. Like yes, Ariana's beautiful. Yeah. Tom is good looking. They're a beautiful couple, but they both want. Completely, completely different, different things. things. And Ariana isn't just one of those people that's like, oh, I don't know if I want kids. I mean, she's very clear that she never wants to have children. Right. And this is something that's very deeply ingrained in her. It's not a phase. And I don't think he respects her autonomy enough to accept that. I don't and think it's just that he wants kids. It's that he doesn't think she knows what she wants. But everybody thinks that, right? Yeah. People who get married or who want to get married or have always thought about marriage and having children can't understand why people wouldn't want that like we've all especially women we've all culturally as a society sort of been um raised to procreate we've been programmed to you're gonna find somebody you're gonna get married and then you're gonna have kids and until you do that you're not gonna be complete and you're not gonna be considered complete by society right there's all this whole thing about and women having it all right you want you have to have the family but then you also have to have the career now right and it's not a matter of like well, there are women who only want the career, and that's yeah. okay. But people don't understand that. They think, oh, it's because they can't find somebody, or in her case, because she's traumatized in some way because she right. tends to she's tie broken. It up with this idea of she's, birth. She's broken, yeah. So that's why she can't. fix her up and get her pregnant. Yeah, and everything exactly. will be okay. So I that and he thinks that, and he that's why he absolutely a hundred percent thinks that. And he's it's so, so patronizing, frustrating because I'm like, you guys just shouldn't be together. Yeah, but he's just good. They're both so good at pretending that they are something that they're not and that their relationship is something that it isn't to each other and to themselves that this train is just going to keep on slowly rolling into oblivion. And I am here for it. I mean, obviously I am tuning in every week. Give me a break, of course. So this is why we exist. Yeah. Um, I can't, I don't even want to talk about Carter and Kristen because they're stupid and I hate them. Um, I, I don't even know why she's on the show. And then Brittany and Jax, please. Oh, God. I think James said it best. Jax is going to make an excellent first husband. <laughs> and then he's going to cheat on her, and that's going to be it. I think they're going to have a baby, and then he's going to cheat on her to get out of the relationship. He's going to cheat on her repeatedly. And right. then she'll finally say, okay, I've had enough. Right. Um, but she's going to be busy raising their kids, so it's right. going to take a while. Right. She's basically going to end up a single mom. It's just bad. The whole Which thing I think is will be fine. Um, so that's Vanderpump. And then Mexican Dynasty. I am here for it. It's, I haven't watched it yet. It's crazy, like a tele, like one like of those. Like a telenovela. Well, telenovela, but like a funny telenovela. Like I used to watch telenovelas when I was in high school with my grandma because my grandparents were obsessed with them. Although my grandpa will tell you that he only watches it because it's on TV. Although he knew all the plots and would correct my grandmother if she got it wrong. But I used to watch them because it was a great way for me to learn Spanish. One hundred percent. And I was in Span. I was taking Spanish in school, and then. 
you'd watch the telenovelas. And they're different. Some of them are different dialects. Some of them now they have more like from Brazil and stuff. But they were kind of fascinating. I was really into this one called Ruby. And the great thing about the telenovelas is that they end. They're not like yes. American soap operas that they go on for 30 going. years. Right. These like, they go, they're like seasonal sort of. Um, so I love the telenovelas. And so it's kind of like that. But telenovelas can be very dramatic. And there is a lot of drama in this Mexican dynasty but show. But there's so much levity, I'm funny. sure. Yeah, because oh. it's brawler. And Doris, one of the characters, um, they're the soda dynasty. So they do mm-hmm. the Jaritos. That's I love that Jaritos. family. Um, the daughter, Doris, is Mauricio, Kyle's husband's cousin. Tyan. And she used to live in L.A. and has moved to Mexico City. So there you go. That's how it So happened. that's how it happened. They pitched it. Probably Kyle and Mauricio were, like, actually executive producers. Yeah, and these are all their friends. Yeah. And so it's, anyway, tune in. It's great. So next up is episode two of Love After Lockup. Yes. And we will see you guys soon. All right. Bye. Bye. Legal disclaimer. This is a personal podcast just for fun, solely meant for entertainment purposes. We are lawyers, but we're not giving any legal advice on the podcast. We're not creating any kind of attorney-client relationship in the podcast. And also keep in mind that anything we say, anything at all, it's just our personal opinions. We have no intention of maligning any individual, group, company, religious or ethnic group, nationality, or anything or anyone else. Lisa and Katie have no affiliation with TLC. These are not the opinions of TLC. And finally, anything that we say is not meant to represent anyone other than Lisa Freitas and Katie Saad individually. Finally, please give a, leave us a comment on our Facebook page and give us a five-star rating on whatever podcast service you're using to help us continue to record. Thank you.